And then listen for the gospel of our Lord. Today we're reading from Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a popular prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning. And when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village in which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road. And how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Could this be a more ordinary scene? Two guys walking along, having a discussion. But perhaps that's part of the point of today's text. That Jesus, the risen Christ, can come to us any time anywhere when is jesus with us you might ask the answer would be he can be with us anytime anywhere in the very ordinariness of our daily lives and the very routines as we move about christ can be with us in fact the gospel of matthew points out whenever two or three are gathered in my name i will be there also jesus says it's the idea of Christ with us, Christ being present with us. This idea of Christ's presence among us whenever we gather speaks to the shared nature of Christian faith. That is, we do our faith 
best in groups, in community, when we're traveling in the company of others, when we're sharing experiences with other people who are also focused on Christ. This is not a solo opportunity. This is not a solitary journey. We do not do Christian faith all alone. If we look at the life of faith in terms of what Jesus did when he was walking on the earth, we see he did not do faith alone. He gathered disciples. He called 12 named men that we know about in the scriptures, other named women, a lot of other people who are unnamed but were traveling as part of the band of followers of Jesus. If Jesus doesn't try to do faith alone, we should not do that either. We should take this as an example of how faith happens best. And we should remember that Jesus did faith in a group. John Wesley, who is the founder of the Methodist movement, remembered that from Scripture. He was a great Bible scholar and spiritual leader as people began to come to him seeking guidance and direction in their Christian life, he would meet with them, but then he would put them in a small group. He established these groups all across England as well as in the New World when the English were coming to America because he saw the importance of what it meant to be on the Christian journey in a group, in a community of faith with others that are on the journey. He writes about this in some of his correspondence. Let me read a couple of sentences to you. He writes, I shall endeavor to show that Christianity is essentially a social religion and that to turn it into a solitary religion is indeed to destroy it. Those are strong words. He later writes, the gospel of Christ knows of no religion but social, no holiness but social holiness. In other words, we do faith better with friends, with contemporaries on the journey. We need to be a part of a faith community. Now that happens in lots of different ways for people. It might be in a small group. It might be in a Sunday school class at a church. It could be a Bible study, a book study. These days it can be an online group that meets together to support one another in their journey. John Wesley, when he was putting these people in small groups, said we were to encourage one another and watch over one another in love. We can still do that today. That is still important in our journey together. We see it in our text in verse 15. These two guys, we're told, are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Then verse 15 says, While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. It's a very ordinary day for them, and yet Christ comes and walks along beside them. I want us to notice some things from this text that are important for us. The first thing to notice is Jesus becomes present with them as they walk and talk with each other. So that's important for us as well. The second thing here I want us to notice is that he directs them to the Scriptures. We heard that in verse 27. 
Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. So that's important in our lives as well. To make sure that we study scripture, that we read our Bibles. It's done best again in community with others where we can talk and discuss as we journey together in faith. The third significant thing I want us to notice here is that they recognize him most clearly when they are breaking bread or what we would call today celebrating Holy Communion like we're going to do together here in a few minutes. But in the text, Luke describes it like this. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. So these are guideposts for us to utilize in our own faith journey, to be sure we're traveling in the company of others, to be sure we have spiritual friends that help us and we help them likewise. It's mutually beneficial to have others that we're traveling with on this Christian journey. And then that second thing, to make sure that we are delving into the scriptures that we're learning from these experiences of other people of how God has been made manifest to them through creation through their journeys together especially through Christ and then that last thing to make sure we break bread together or come to the table or participate in worship and communion Luke says that's when these disciples saw Jesus most clearly was when they were gathered together. As we read through the litany and the liturgy later in the service, focus on that. I think it will draw you closer to Christ and help you understand His journey and our journey better together. So we are recognizing our confirmands. We'll be reading an affirmation of faith in a few minutes that they wrote. Typically, we would have them here with us, but because of the pandemic, we had a separate service for them last week where we baptized some of them who had not been baptized, where we were able to then lay hands on them and pray for them and confirm them in their faith. It was me and some of our other pastors, their parents, the kids, other adult mentors and teachers all gathering together to surround them and to support them. During that time, we ask them questions so they can profess their faith, affirm that they believe what we've been talking about as they've been studying all these months about the Trinity, about God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, about how the church works, about how we have a commitment to take our place within the church. One of the things they do is make commitments about how they're going to live as a disciple. They commit to living a Christian life. But then there's also questions for the rest of us as a congregation or a family of faith. We make some commitments back to them. We commit to living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. We commit to praying for them that they may walk in the way that leads to life. And then we say that we will offer our support as they grow in faith, that they might grow in their trust of God and in their service to others. We make a commitment to surround them with a community full of love and forgiveness. So we help them take that step in faith. It's a formal way to do it. 
But there's other ways that that happens as well. For some people, it happens in a personal prayer time or in a prayer time with other people. Sometimes it happens when we're in a camp setting or in a worship setting. Sometimes we're outdoors in nature and just the awe and majesty and beauty of it all move us closer to God and we sense God calling us or drawing us close. It can happen reading a book. It can happen studying scriptures. So many different ways that God comes to us and calls us closer. For some people, it happens in the middle of a crisis. Sort of like these two guys. They're walking along. It's an ordinary day, but they are grieving that the one that they thought was going to redeem Israel and throw off the foreign oppressors had been crucified. But now they're perplexed because they've also heard a testimony that even though he was hung on a cross and left to die, put in a tomb, that now somehow he is alive and they don't know what to think. But it simply reminds us that the risen Christ can come to us at any time in any variety of circumstances. And it's not just one time we have a chance to connect with God in Christ Oh, our confirmants took that one step together last Sunday. We're remembering it today. But if we did our job well, they'll have one experience after another where they sense God alive in their lives. They'll sense this call of Christ. They'll know the forgiveness of sins when they make mistakes. This will be an ongoing journey for them as they grow in faith, as they mature, and as they participate in the community of faith. John Wesley, at one point in his life, said he thought perhaps God had raised up the Methodists in this way of gathering in small groups and encouraging each other for one significant reason, to witness to this lifelong growth in grace, or as Wesley called it, sanctification. If you read his writings, sometimes he calls it sanctification. Sometimes he's talking about the same thing, but he calls it the holiness of heart and life. Other times he calls it going on to perfection or being perfected in love. But despite whatever name he's using, he's talking about this experience of God being with us, of the risen Christ walking with us that's the image i want us to hold on to from today's sermon is this idea that we are not alone we're not on this journey alone god has not abandoned us but that god is with us the risen christ the holy spirit is with us and walking with us wherever we go when we are committed to following jesus we can be assured jesus is walking with us Wesley talked about this assurance of faith where God's Holy Spirit witnesses to our spirit that we are a child of God. It's a wonderful experience to have that sense of God's closeness, of God drawing us close. John Wesley wrote about this growth in grace and talked about the different stages of grace or stages of faith or experience with God. He said, before we even are aware of it, God is with us. God is loving us. God created us and is at work in our lives for good. But before we recognize that in Christ, he said that's called God's preventing grace or prevenient grace. But then he says, 
we have this experience of recognizing that God is coming to us in Christ, of feeling the tug of the divine love to draw us close, the call of Christ. And when we acknowledge or recognize or respond to that, it's called justifying grace or justification, sometimes called the salvation moment. Lots of Christians stop there. They think that's the highlight of the Christian life. But Wesley said, no, that's not it. We can go on to perfection or on to holiness or what he called sanctifying grace. We can have the experience of God's love growing in us and transforming us ever more into a fully loving person so that all of our motivations and everything we do is love of God. And love of neighbor, that's what he's talking about when he talks about holiness or sanctification. Let me read you just a couple of sentences of how he put it in his own writing. He writes, by religion, I mean the love of God and people filling the heart and governing the life. The sure effect of this is the uniform practice of justice, mercy, and and truth indeed it is the love of god and neighbor in action so let's remember that image of traveling together so that god's love is alive in us and coming to the table and breaking bread and then as luke put it then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight they said to each other were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us, that same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Amen. And thanks be to God.